Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends, to Navigate with I.D. Enang. It's such a pleasure to welcome you at this auspicious time. Happy Easter to everyone listening to me, and I hope you had a great time. May the good tidings of the season rest and abide with us all and our families in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for staying faithful to listening to this program, and more importantly, coming through the first quarter, day after day, week after week, and all through the seasons, being able to identify with this program. I'm grateful to God for the gift of life and that I have the privilege to share what I have with you. Friends, in the month of March, I dedicated the entire month to the theme of ethics. And we looked at ethics in varied dimensions, business ethics, personal, and also corporate ethics. In this month, I want to crave your indulgence as I look at a subject that is considered critical, a subject that you and I cannot in any way dismiss, a subject that is key to us establishing good stakeholder management and relationship, and that subject is anger management. And so for the month of April, we'll be looking at the subject or the theme, anger management. You will agree with me that anger is something that is not that is not given to just one person. It's everyone has a tinge of it. And it's very situational and absolutely and absolutely circumstantial. So we are going to go in the course of this month to understand what anger is, what the costs and payoff would be associated with anger, the anger process, understanding the trigger thoughts, being able to understand also how anger affects our thinking then we will delve into the different behavioral types and of course we will cap all of that with managing anger if you and i can by the grace of god sit within the premise of managing anger then we will definitely be better people we will have better relationships we will be more productive and our country and indeed the world will be a better place for all. All of this can be considered very critical elements when you are talking about emotional intelligence, but it takes a lot. And so based on that, I'm asking you to join me as I go through the series. And please do not miss the series as it happens on this beautiful station, Lagos Talks 91.3 FM, every Tuesday and Thursday at 3 p.m. And we'll have the opportunity also for you to ask questions. Please endeavor, given the format we have applied, to send your questions to my email, contact at navigatewithid.com, or you can follow me on all social media platforms. My handle is at I-D-Y-E-N-A-N-G. I'll be grateful to engage in whatever conversations you may have as we go through this process of learning together, because anger management is a key factor that everyone needs to have 
under his, his or our own control. And so how do I start by looking at the entire course overview? If we take this as a course, it's a one-month course in anger management, what would I consider to be the course overview? I've given you some tips as to some of the line subjects we will consider. But from an overview standpoint, you would understand and agree with me that anger is a universal experience. Even animals get angry. If you doubt it, think about the dog. Dogs get angry. Even insects, bees get angry. If you doubt it, go and shake the, the hornet, where the hornet, where you have the bees. And when they come out, you will know that when bees are angry, it's a no-go area not to go shake up their own little coven. And so do humans. So you would see that anger is a universal experience. But we must be guarded, especially when the good book tells us that anger always lies in the bosom of a fool. So we will not in any way allow this particular ailment or ill element that may come in most times to mar our progress in life or our productivity. So you don't have to be a psychologist to know that managing anger productively is something very few individuals, even organizations and societies do well. Yet, one of the things that research tells us is that those who do manage their anger at work are much more successful than those who don't. And I think this covers every spectrum. Those who do manage their anger at work, at family levels, in their relationships, tend to be more successful than those who don't. So if I look at the workplace, the co-worker who can productively confront his teammate about his negative attitude increases his team's chances of success as well as minimizes destructive conflicts. Someone who can productively confront his or her teammates, maybe you are in the work zone, you are also in the office zone, you can actually be even within the church zone or wherever you have a conglomeration of people within the confines of an organization. Anybody who can productively confront his or her teammates about their negative attitude will increase the team's chance of success as well as minimize destructive conflicts. And you know this also applies to the family. That is why this project and this topic is all-embracing. No one can tell you that he or she does not have a tinge of anger. No, we are humans and we will, as long as we are living and breathing, you will have it. Only dead men cannot afford to be angry because dead men don't speak. The dead don't speak, neither do they have a recourse to understanding. Do you want to shift it to customer service? A customer service agent who can defuse the angry customer not only keeps our customers loyal, but makes his or our own day less troublesome. Think about customer service agents and when an irate customer is calling because something went wrong. If you are not able to defuse that angry customer, then you will see something catastrophic would happen. But any customer service agent that is able to act in that space of diffusing it, wow, what would happen? will make his or our own day less troublesome. And so 
for the purpose of setting objectives? What are those things that you and I can put as clear objectives in this month and the outcomes that we expect? I expect at the end of this month's course that you and I will be able to recognize how anger affects our body, our minds, and our behaviors. That you and I, at the end of this course this month, will be able to use what I call an anger log to identify our hot buttons and triggers. That you and I will be able to control our own emotions when we are faced with other people's anger. That you and I will be able to identify ways to help other people safely manage some of their repressed or expressed anger. And finally, at the end of this one month of looking at anger management, I expect by the grace of God that you and I will be able to communicate with others in a constructive, assertive manner. And so what am I putting on the table with this very first noble session that we are having on anger management? I want you to set some personal objectives. And when you do put in those personal objectives, there are certain questions you need to ask yourself and there are certain things that you need to bring to the table. And so it brings me to the subject, what is anger? You will just wonder, why is he asking such a question? Does this man understand what anger means? Does this man want me to define anger for him? Yes, from your perspective. But let me tell you what the dictionary says to me. It defines anger as a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. How do I practically bring this to life? Look at the tension that you find palpable in various settings across our country, whether from the family, whether on the road, whether in offices, the smallest thing that should not even make any issue out of. You find people provoked. People are easily provoked. Why? Because it's the strong feeling of annoyance. Anger tends to pervade the entire environment because of the pressure. People are faced with all manner of pressure, societal, economic, financial, physical. So all of these come together to bring into space what typically you would say, what I would term the anger levels, the propensity for anger has actually risen in our society, which is important now. That's why it's important that we look at this subject and it's a timely warning to help put some sticks in the sand, to help put some people to be able to retreat and look at themselves again and say, no, I need to control my anger. I need to understand what anger means. I need to see myself in this situation because coming through on this series, I want you to be able to come out of it and be a better person. When you are better, you will affect your immediate environment. And once you affect and impact your immediate environment, then with that global effect, we are able to douse a lot of the tension in our land. So what is anger? I've just given you the dictionary definition. At the start of the program, I did say to you that anger is a universal experience. We all get angry from time to time. And the course of this month is not about teaching you to never become angry. 
or to hide your anger. It is about how you will manage your anger. Listen, friends, you don't have to be a psychologist to know that managing your anger is something you need to do well. And so the goal of anger management is to reduce your emotional feelings and the physiological arousal that anger provokes. Anger provokes so much physiological arousal. You can't get rid of or avoid things or people who anger you. You can't. But what you can do is to learn how to control what you do about it. I trust God that as we go through this series, that we will get optimal output and you will take and make a personal commitment to douse whatever flame might be coming within the embers called anger and to move forward in situations and be a better person than you are. What we really want to do is to have a new type of relationship with our emotions, a relationship where we manage them rather than letting them manage us. And so the most instinctive way to express anger sometimes to some people is to respond aggressively. It is a natural way to respond to a threat because you're human and it inspires powerful feelings and behaviors which make you feel that you're fighting back and defending yourself when you're under attack. But then you must understand that balancing the pros and the cons, a certain amount of anger then may be necessary for survival. However, in addition, sometimes we resist saying what needs to be said because we do not want to upset the status quo. That is all basking under the euphoria of self-awareness. However, let me warn that when you consistently resist saying what needs to be said because you do not want to upset the status quo, you are not helping matters. Without some degree of conflict, there may be no change or growth whatsoever. And that isn't good either. So if you think that mm, sinful silence is a way because I don't want to provoke my brother, my sister, the status quo, the laws, the norms that we have here, and you see that things are degenerating and getting so bad, and you think if you bring it up, people are going to be upset or the organization is going to erupt and you keep quiet, there is no way that can foster change or growth. But guess what? Things are going to get worse. And so I'm saying what we require is the balance. And that balance starts with one single element, and that element is self-awareness. Self-awareness is a key element for managing your own anger. The use of anger management skills presupposes that you know when you are angry and recognize that anger, that anger as a cue that something is wrong. Expressing your anger in an assertive but not aggressive way is safe and healthy. What do I mean? Have you seen scenarios, for example, at the airport, whether local or international, when you find people on a queue, they have been on the queue, and all of a sudden, they come in and say to them, we are sorry, we cannot take in or check in passengers any longer. And they look at them and say, why? And, oh, sorry, our boarding time 
is over. And they say to you, but I've been on this queue for one hour. Now, see how people will erupt. At that point in time, none of them will be assertive, but you're going to see more of aggression. And that's not what we are talking about. We are not talking about aggression. We are talking about being assertive because that makes it safe and healthy. So let me take you to what I consider the five dimensions of anger. And these five dimensions are not in any way inexhaustible, but they are directional in nature. And what do I mean? For you to understand and develop the skills associated with anger management, I want you to think of anger as five interrelated dimensions, and all of them are operating simultaneously. What do I mean? It starts from number one, our thoughts when we are angry. It moves to the emotions that our anger arouses. Then the ways we let others know that we are angry. And of course, how we experience the world when we are angry. And finally, how we act when we are angry. For example, what you think when you are angry influences how you feel. How you feel when you are angry influences how you communicate. How you communicate affects how you think and how you think affects how you behave. It all starts from how your thoughts are channeled when you are angry. And so I may just repeat that whole phrase or sentence, I beg your pardon, for your assimilation and understanding. What you think when you are angry influences how you feel. So it starts from the thought. How you feel when you are angry influences how you communicate. Think of how you speak to your child or your spouse. How you communicate affects how you think. And how you think affects how you behave. All of these circle about something that in working through anger management, you must begin to start from a self-awareness standpoint and say to yourself, I want to start making connections. And the only way you can make connections is to honestly put yourself in a place of doing some work. And so I'm going to ask you to do something for me, my dear friend, that you take a pen and take a piece of parchment. You want to type in your phone, and just in case you can also use any other device, I want to give you a very simple assignment. And the assignment will require you putting in pen and paper, on, put in writing, I beg your pardon, everything I'm about to put on your uh, saddle. Number one, I want you to think of your own anger and describe it. If you were to think of your own anger, how will you describe it? Does it lead to destructive tendency? Is it instructive? Is it commandeering? I mean, I'm, I'm not asking you to use my words. I'm just kind of describing what I want you to write. And remember, looking at it from a standpoint of trying to make connections. 
Think of your own anger. What does it look like? Describe it. And what does it bring out after the fact? That's number one. Number two, can you identify the things that you normally think, feel, say, and do when you are angry? I want you to be able to list out those things that you can identify that you normally think, feel, say, and do when you are angry. And finally, I want you to answer this question. How does the world look to you when you are angry? My dear friends, even this man that is speaking to you, I have my days. I mean, there are things that just make me blow up. I can sometimes, I know where I have my short fuse. I have a short fuse when it comes to mediocrity. I have a short fuse when it comes to people taking me for granted. The fuselage is huge and high, very oxygenated. By the time a single match just strikes you, boom. So I can tell you, and that's why I'm asking you to write it down. Think of your own anger and describe it. And that you should identify that things that you normally think, feel, say, and do when you're angry. I can tell you that I do not feel like being violent. No, I'm not violent. I'm not a violent person. And so that doesn't happen. But you know, there is nothing I cannot say if I'm angry. I can tell you anything I want to tell you, but then there has to be some form of restraint. That is my own context. And how does the world look to you when you are angry is what I'm asking you. When I am angry, I just find that people just back off. Starting from whether it's my little daughter, she'll say, I'm not going near daddy. Madame knows and she'll stay away. My friends know. And even my manager, my guy at the top. Once that time comes, everybody goes into silent mode because they know it might just be for 60 seconds or two minutes. And after that, the game goes on. But I need to manage it. And that's what I'm telling you, friends. Why do we need to manage it? Because there's the cost to anger. And so as you come out of that first assignment I've given you, which I want you to please write, and I want to put this on record, that if you can share this output with me, and I find it very sincere and honest, then you will get a written reply or a gift from me. Because I see that you're ready to tackle something that you're going through. And that's why I've left my email address at the start, and I'm going to put it again. Contact at navigatewithid.com. The ID is spelled IDY. Send all of your work to that email and let's help each other. This is another assignment I'm going to give you. Adding to the three questions I had earlier enumerated. What cost of anger did you identify in the process? What was the cost of that anger? That very strong, venomous output explosion by you? What was the cost? Did it cost you anything? What was it? I want you to tell me. 
And I want you to understand that a man that is consistently on the path of anger is being ripped apart in many places you may not regard or understand. And that brings me very swiftly to a session that we are going to be talking about the costs and payoffs that are associated with anger. At this juncture, I'll take a break. And when we come back from the break, we'll continue as I look at the costs of anger. Remember, friends, this is Navigate with IDNN, and we are looking at the subject of anger management. If you want to learn and understand what the cost of anger is, stay on. We'll be right back. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, my dear friends, from the break. And just in case you're joining us for the first time, I bid you welcome to Navigate with IDNANG and happy Easter celebration to you. May the joy of the season not depart from you and yours in Jesus' name. Amen. We have been looking at the subject of anger management as our theme for this month. And at the start of the program, I did marshal out the fact that this will more or less be a course in anger management. We had set some objectives and we're on the path to understanding what anger is. And in the customary direction, I just want to take a tip from the very last portion of where I stopped before the break so that I can take on those that we're on and those that have just joined all on this journey as we go through the second half and ultimately for the next sessions that will happen by the grace of God. So what did I say? That there are five dimensions of anger and these five dimensions are eclipsed in what you think when you are angry influences how you feel, how you feel when you are angry influences how you communicate, how you communicate affects how you think and how you think affects how you behave. And I did give three, four bullet questions that I said folks should try and answer. And in answering, they could share same with me for us to have some meaningful dialogue. Number one, I said, think of your own anger and describe it. Number two, I said, can you identify the things that you normally think, feel, say, and do when you are angry? Number three, I said, how does the world look to you when you are angry? And finally, what costs of anger did you identify? It was at that stage we took the break and now stepping into this second half with a session that would look at the costs of anger. You can veritably say this, that one major cost of anger that impacts is relationships. Anger will impact relationships, regardless of who, what, where, when. Anger, friends, apart from being costly, impacting relationships, anger can also be bad for your health. I want you to think about a hose, maybe a garden hose. Let's say you have two sizes, one with a quarter inch and one with a half inch hose. If you hook the half inch hose 
up to the outside water faucet in your house, you get a stream of water, right? However, if you hook up the quarter-inch hose, you get a much stronger stream of water because the pressure has been raised. When we get angry, our blood vessels constrict, and it's just like we switched from a half inch into a quarter inch. It's almost like your hose dimension. You switch from half inch to quarter, there's a lot more pressure. It is clear that we need an outlet for anger. Very clear. Some of us keep our anger locked up inside us and deal with it by not thinking about it. Other people tend to explode when they are angry. Neither outlet is very constructive. So we want to find out other ways to deal with this powerful emotion called anger. At least in part, our anger is learned. We have learned how to cope with our frustrations and our hurts this way. And it has worked. What am I saying? Prior to your listening to this program, you've had some useful lessons. You've learned how to cope with your frustrations. You know how you've managed it. Yes, you have, and it has worked for you at some level. In some cases, we have learned that being angry and aggressive is not appropriate. And we have learned that expressing anxiety or depression are more acceptable. They are all what? Learnings. Either way, friends, we are not managing our anger or channeling it in a healthy way. Sometimes we learn angry reactions too. If our families are disruptive, chaotic, rude, or troubled, we can have a difficult time learning how to communicate our emotions. We used to say that letting our anger out was a good idea. This is no longer considered safe, friends. However, when people act out in anger, they can actually escalate anger and aggression and are not doing anything to resolve the situation. But what they do, they escalate it and aggravate it. Consider the costs and payoffs to anger, and it's important that you need to learn strategies to, to handle your anger well. So the big question is, what are your anger payoffs? What are they? Could there really be a payoff to anger? Of course, yes. There is usually some sort of payoff for us. People do what we ask them to do because our tension is released. And for a brief moment, we feel better or we feel we have gotten revenge. One thing you and I should try to do is figure out what our payoff is. So we are going to go through this exercise again and more or less itemizing what I call a payoff list. For each anger payoff that I'm going to probably reel out to you, I need you to do a mental inventory of relationships and situations in your life. 
such as anger with your family, with friends or co-workers, anger when driving, road rage, or anger at inanimate objects. Have you seen people kicking the tire of the car or kicking the wall or kicking chairs or kicking something that would not in any way feel or know, but you would feel it? Now, what I want you to do is to see if that payoff is in any way influencing or reinforcing your anger. If it is, write an example down for your learning. And if you do want to share it with me, I'll be more than happy. The email address is contact at navigatewithid.com. Listen, friends, if you know you are on that streak of anger, you need help. And you need help fast. Otherwise, it could be counterproductive. So what are some of those pay, pay off lists of items, inventory that I want to, you to consider in the inventory of your relationships? Number one, reduce stress. Remember, I'm saying you have to see if, for example, Reducing stress is in any way influencing or reinforcing your anger. If it is, give me an example of how it is helping to influence or reinforce your anger. Reducing stress, number one. Number two, hiding emotional pain. Does it influence or reinforce your anger? Write it down and let's share. Number three, getting attention. Getting attention. Some people seek attention, but when they don't get it, they go in a cloak of rejection, and rejection makes them bottle up. And when they bottle up, they become short fuses. At the slightest provocation, they explode. Some may not even explode, but they take time. They are ticking time bombs. And the day they explode, everyone around would not believe because such people are typically very quiet and unassuming. Number four, we are talking about payoff lists. That the payoff list to understand, is it in any way influencing or reinforcing your hunger? Number four is punishing and getting revenge. Does it influence or does it in any way help reinforce your anger? And number five, changing the behavior of others and getting people to do what you want. Here, you can call it manipulation. You can call it being able to cajole. In your anger, do you cajole people and they all run because does said the boss. They are respecting you because of the title, office, whatever. And you are abusing it simply because you are angry almost all the time. That you change their behaviors because of that. Think about this list, and you can add yours, friends. All I'm asking you and I to do, because you hear me use the word we, I am not absolving myself of this, because we all do. Like I told you, I do have my own anger strips. Oh, you need to work very closely with me, and you'll see that, you know, by the time you go on a certain terrain, you don't cross a certain line. I'll give it to you hook, line, and sinker. But you know what? Mine almost dies. It's a natural death. If I blow up my fuse, 
in 60 seconds, I'm done. And when I finish, I'm just going to go on as if nothing happened. But I still need to manage it so I don't go off the tangent. We all have it. And I'm not telling you I am an expert. What I'm about to tell you is how to manage it. And that's why this month we are dedicating it specifically to the emotion called anger. And anger management is the theme. Friends, I'm stepping from the cost of anger into what I call the anger process. What is the process? How does anger come through? I'm trying to simplify this so you can find it relatable. It's not some amorphous concept, but it's something you can really look at yourself and say, that's true, and then be able to move with help and that consciousness begin to hold yourself back. Anger is a two-step process. It involves pain plus trigger thoughts. If you are looking for an equation, anger equals pain plus trigger thoughts. First, there is the pain. It might be emotional, like a feeling of loneliness, loss, or rejection. Or it might be physical, like a headache or a pain in your tummy. This is the fuel of anger. It's like a can of gasoline sitting there, just waiting. The second part of anger is a trigger. The match that sets the can of gasoline on fire is a trigger. When you look at the combination of both pain and trigger thoughts, boom, anger happens. Then the mother of it all, anger itself, which has three parts. Remember I talked about the dimensions of anger that I referred to earlier. The physical reactions that you will find may include, but not only, number one, where you find that our heart beats faster. Number two, our pupils, pupils begin to dilate. Number three, we breathe faster. When you're breathing, you just see that you're breathing. <laughs> That's a physical reaction of anger. Number four, our faces may redden, especially for those that are privileged to be lighting complexion. And typically when you look at someone, maybe we'll classify them as uh, the white person or someone who is who has a, a different kind of skin from you and I. You see the way they turn pink. That's what we see, color. Some they say the face is red. Yes. And the fifth point or physical reaction might include when our legs might turn to jelly. You just find your legs beginning to wobble. All of this is because our body is preparing for fight or flight. I said fight or flight. Our emotional reactions, in addition to the anger, they include the following. One, tears. Two, sadness. Three, pain. Four, loneliness. And five, depression. I mean, the last one, depression, is one intrinsic cankerworm that has eaten into the fabric of society generally. I'm talking about worldwide. This is not only, you know, for a long time in Nigeria, 
we were not looking at depression as a main factor, especially in a place like Lagos with all the pressure. When they found people jumping off the third mainland bridge and the causal factors began to come through and they began to do some statistics around it, one in X percent of people are running through depression. That was scary. But you know, typically tears are not things you can have a statistic with. Sadness isn't, pain isn't, loneliness isn't, but depression can easily be tracked. But all of these are symptomatic emotional reactions that are sitting there. And when the body assumes any of this, it's either it fights or it takes flight. These emotional and physical reactions influence our behavior when we are angry, both how we act and how we express our anger. This might involve A, number one, swearing. You hear people swear. B, yelling and speaking loudly. Look at the average Nigerian. We are consistently yelling. Our decibels, the noise and pollution has scattered our decibels. Some of us, we are, you know, with all the you know, generators everywhere you go, generator, noise, noise, noise. So we tend to speak loudly. But Really and truly, many times, it's a combination of emotional and physical reactions that are coming from anger that is lying deep. Number three, talking faster. Number four, smashing things. You see at the slightest provocation. Look at what happened with NSAS. Look at what happens when you just have a simple fracas between Okada, Keke, and maybe a pedestrian or someone driving, just a simple incident that would have just made someone come up to say, oh, I'm sorry. And then you find the whole place go up in flames. And today, one of the most dangerous people we find on our roads today in Lagos are these dispatch Korea riders. They are absolutely, they are a reformed Okada. And those that are using them for delivery services are only interested in the delivery not in their conduct. And so when they come in contact, because of their recklessness with any situation, the first thing you find all of them is that spirit of, a spirit of call. We are all together. And they start smashing things. Or the last one, calling people names. Why are we in this flux, people? It's because anger lies at the bosom of most. And a lot of people in their emotional and physical reactions, their behaviors are being influenced by it. And you wonder why we are not making progress as a people, because we've not managed this aspect well. I say to everyone that is close to me, that you know, Nigeria's problem is not the leaders. Nigeria's problem is probably not the followers because the followers or the leaders are in the followers. They are all in the same boat. Nigeria's problem, I repeat, is not just about the leaders. It's not just about the followers. It is about what drives both. And that word is the lack of discipline. We are not a disciplined set of people. The day we all, leaders, followers, and the ilk, decide 
that we want to be known as a disciplined people, then transformation will come to our nation. Then some of these things will drop automatically because it's undue tension that is created because of indiscipline. We are lawless, very lawless. And lawlessness has become more like the norm. We should not be. Yes, you will always find people that are crazy. Not everybody is going to be sane. But in a place where majority are insane and then they want that to be sanity, there's a problem. So no matter how you want to enforce a certain behavior, anger will be the riding factor because a loud majority that are indisciplined will always come through and force the needle on a side that is not right. Disciplined people will bring about disciplined thoughts and disciplined thoughts will produce character. When you have people that are disciplined in their thoughts, you'll find people that are disciplined in their actions, you'll find people that automatically will be transformed and we will have less and less of all of these factors or behaviors that make us look bad. It is a combination of emotional and physical reactions that influences our behavior when we are angry. And I'm saying to you, the very root of it is the lack of discipline. Take it to the bank. Even if you have the best of the best material, put him in charge of an institution that is wrecked by indiscipline. That person will not change anything except corporately the people decide that they want a new part of their lives. And so all of this, friends, creates pain. But we don't see it. Remember I said pain plus triggers bring anger. We don't. It's an equation. It brings a lot of pain. We don't know that the cost of our indiscipline is pain. Pain to your brother, pain to your sister, pain to your neighbor, pain to your community, pain to the state, pain to the nation. We don't see it because we become so selfish. And let me switch to the other part of the equation, understanding trigger thoughts. Part of managing our anger is identifying what makes us angry and managing the root of the problem. Generally, there are two categories of things that make us angry, hot buttons and triggers. What is a hot button? Hot buttons are things that are true about ourselves that we may feel ashamed of or try to pretend do not exist. You want to look for people that will fake it to look it, come to Nigeria, come to Lagos, Go to some parts of Lagos. A lot of people there are hot buttons. There are things that are true about ourselves. They don't want to feel ashamed. They, don't, they are pretending that they don't exist. They are hot buttons. You want to fake it to make it. The second, the triggers. Triggers are experiences that can remind us of or have us relieve grief or traumas from the past. So what are personal hot buttons? Do you know things about you that are true? but you'd prefer to avoid? When people make comments about things that we are ashamed of or that we try to deny, we say that they are pushing our buttons. Number one, when did you become a race car or driver? That is criticizing our driving. When did you become a race car driver? Are you sure you should be eating that when someone is criticizing your diet? You don't belong here. That is insulting your ability to be a member of a group or a workplace. Why don't you learn to speak the language? 
And that person is insulting your command of the local language. Depending on how well we have accepted our own shortcomings and how we respond to people's comments, you may have more fewer hot buttons at different times of your life. A lazy Saturday afternoon that is interrupted by someone saying, you never do anything around the house, can push a lazy button and a guilt button. You may start thinking, should I be cleaning the bathroom right now? Or I knew I should have vacuumed before I sat down, or I should have cleaned before I sat down. Feeling bad about our bodies is a common hot button. You might secretly think, I am too fat, I'm too skinny, I'm too pale, I'm too dark, I'm too ugly. A comment from someone else can set us off. When they just tell you, they said, don't call anybody fat, don't call anybody skinny, don't call me pale. Don't. At the end of the day, it's a hot button. Me? Call me anything you like. I know what and who I am. Like I always tease people and tell them, my head alone is 30 kg. I weigh two bags of rice and one mudu. You can go anywhere you want to go and come back. I thank God for it, but I'm keeping myself healthy. And so what are triggers? Have you ever had an experience that reminded you so powerfully of something else that you could remember everything about the original event? When people have survived a traumatic event, a small thing can bring a memory flooding back. These triggers can be a smell, sound, emotion, gesture, or even a single word. My dear friends, I've gotten to the juncture where I need to put a pause on this edition. Like I said to you, it's a series, and I'm going to come back on Thursday by the grace of God to continue from here and to take us on this pathway and if you know that you seriously want to attend to this issue, it's a plaguing issue by your life, send me a mail on those things, the assignments I gave, and let's begin to work on it together. Because I'm also going to consult with psychologists and see how we can profile help. Because you need to manage your anger. Otherwise, don't let your anger manage you. Thank you so much for listening, friends. If you want to contact, contact me and send a mail. The email address, as I've said on the program, is contact at navigatewithid.com. But I'll also encourage you to also follow through on the social media handles at C underscore Shepherds. That's for Corporate Shepherds. And my personal handle is at I-D-Y-E-N-A-N-G. As a faculty of people that will support and help you, our goal is to make you a better person and to make all of us better people. No one can be classified as anger-free. We just trust God for the best days ahead in our life and in our nation. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye and God bless. And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.